terribly confused about what's right. A, a, a world in which it seems that all of the rules about right and wrong have just been, have just been disregarded. And now in a cultural realm of relativism, we're surrounded by an entire generation who have been convinced that right and wrong is a matter of personal taste, of personal choice, that everyone determines that for himself, that there are no absolutes. And the consequences of that kind of thinking... That, that all of us have our own truth within us, the consequences are astounding. And sometimes, sometimes those consequences create some very difficult situations for us. Jesus was born 2,000 years ago into a world in which the lines had been fuzzied quite a bit about right and wrong. And those lines, were not, those lines were not obscured primarily by that Greek culture that had taken the world and, and given its language to the world along with its pagan idolatry. Nor was that line obscured by the Roman government that has come in with this uh, with this fascination of might and power uh, to impress those uh, that they would uh, overcome with physical strength and brute force. No, that line of right and wrong, of righteousness and sin, that line had been obscured by the Jews themselves. By those who were supposed to know God. By those who were claiming to be religious. By those who were looking for technicalities and loopholes in the very simple law that God had given to his people. God, God had, from the very beginning, insisted that of all of the creation, mankind was going to be like him. No other part of God's creation did God say, I have made it in my own image? Only mankind was made in the image of God. Only mankind was reflecting the nature and character of God himself. When Jesus walked on the earth, he saw a people who claimed to know God, who claimed to be the covenant people of God, who claimed to be those who were serving God faithfully and yet they had taken the law of God, which was a fairly simple, it was fundamental, it was a basic law. And they had turned it into something that required encyclopedias of rules and explanations and exceptions. And so if you ask the question, are the people of God people of truth, then the answer is obviously yes. All of the nation resounds with a yes. Are we a people 
of honesty. Yes. Must we tell the truth? Yes. But, of course, if you swear by heaven, that's one thing. Now, if you swear by the throne of God, that's another thing. If you swear by the word of God, that's even another. And Jesus comes along in the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, what's wrong with you people? Have you lost your spiritual minds? I'm telling you, Jesus said, unless your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll not be my disciples and you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. The law said, thou shalt not kill. Jesus said, where did you get off thinking that you can hate a brother to the point of wishing him dead, but it's okay as long as you don't physically kill him. Where did you get off thinking that? And the law says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus said, where do you get off thinking that you can lust after a woman until your tongue falls out? Where where, Where do you get off thinking that your passions can remain unbridled as long as you don't touch her? Jesus said, and the law says that you tell the truth. And that's not complicated, Jesus said. It means that when you say yes, it means yes, brother. And you can take it to the bank. And you can die on that. Because when a man of God says yes... He's good for his word. And when he says no, it means no. We we are so far removed from integrity in our culture that we have a hard time giving people our personal information in a legitimate situation. Someone call you on the phone and say, hey, I've got a cousin in, uh, over in, uh, in Nigeria who wants to send you $8 million. All I need is your bank information. Okay, that's pretty obvious, right? We go to the Social Security office to sign up for our check, and the person asks for our Social Security number, and we say, huh, when do you need that? Well, that's mine. I don't give that out to anyone. (laughs) You're at the Social Security. Why are we like that? I'll tell you why we're like that. Because we are so conditioned to a culture that is void of integrity. I remind you this morning that we're, we're not the first culture to be like this. Not at all. When we wonder whatever happened to integrity we are reminded of the fact that integrity has has been a challenge for for people for generations and generations for centuries and centuries. This is not a new problem. It is a serious problem, but it is not a new problem. You, You may recall in the days of Daniel, 
When Daniel was just a young man, probably somewhere around 14, 15, 16 years old. That was in the year 606 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar uh, and the Chaldean army shows up in Jerusalem. And they take just a few of the royal families, of the regal families. They take just a few of the blue bloods. And they take them back to the palace and they put them in a special private school that belongs to the king. And it is a prep school. And they are being prepared to stand in the court of the king and serve him. And the king only wants the best, the most beautiful, the brightest, the best. Those who have a strong physique, those who have superior intellect, he only wants in his presence the best. Sometimes being the best is a burden. The only ones who were carried away were the best. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. They were taken away. They not only are going to have to serve throughout the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, serving him in the foreign government. They are foreign nationals serving, serving this pagan king. A king to whom their entire nation has become subjugate. And they're watching him destroy their people and their country. And throughout his entire reign, Daniel served him with integrity. And when the change of power comes, and now the Medes and the Persians are on the scene, Daniel's years and years of faithful civil service in the administration of Nebuchadnezzar, it is not overlooked, it is not unknown. He is well respected for his integrity. And so now, during the reign of Darius, it pleased Darius to set over his kingdom 120 satraps. Probably by this time, Daniel is approaching, if he was, if he was 16 years old, when he was taken away, after 70 years of captivity, you can, you can do the math, he was 86 years old. He's an old man. Darius knows him. He knows about him. And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps who should be throughout the whole kingdom. Guess what? Daniel was one of the 120. He's not a Chaldean. He's not part of the Medes or the Persians. And over them, there were three presidents that were established. So of this group of 120, now there are three that are going to be set even above them. And guess what? Daniel was chosen to be one of those. And... 
the text says, these three satraps would give account unto them that the king should have no damage. And then verse 3, and then Daniel was distinguished above the presidents and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. This morning, I want to say just four things to you about the integrity of Daniel and things that we ought to pay attention to regarding regarding the reality of being a person of integrity. Number one, when you are a person of integrity, God will bless you. Now somebody says, well, Daniel... Daniel was kidnapped and taken away by a bunch of terrorists when when he was 16, 14, 15 years old. He he was taken out of his own house, out of his own home, out of his own country. He was expatriated to a foreign government. He, He was made a eunuch. And then he was forced to serve a pagan king. What are you saying? God will bless you. I'm saying look at his life. God has been with him every step of the way. And he has prospered in everything he has touched. I I am saying this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that one of the things that we ought to learn from the life of Daniel is that it pays to do the right thing. It pays spiritually and eternally. It pays also in this life. When you do the right thing, it matters in a good way. Do you remember the life of Joseph? Joseph being the 11th son of Jacob. He was, he was uh, among his brothers. He was the one that his father loved and favored and his brothers hated him for that. He was the one who told his father the truth. And his brothers hated him for that. He was the one when he was sold by his brothers into slavery and ends up as a domestic servant, an administrative servant in the household of Potiphar down in Egypt. He is the one who shows himself to still be a person of integrity. And I'll tell you what he does for his master, Potiphar. He does what is right. Every decision he made for that household, every financial decision that was made with the resources of that estate, Daniel did, uh, Joseph did what was right. And I'll tell you, it finally arrived at the point where Potiphar just turned it all over to him. And the day came when Potiphar's wife attempted to cause Joseph to do something that was not right. And he just said no. He ended up in prison, but God blessed him there. Then he ends up in the palace. After that, I'm telling you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, You look at the life of Daniel. You look at the life of Joseph. When you choose to do what is right, God will bless you. Look at the life of David. He's the young boy. Samuel Samuel shows up at the house of Jesse. 
And he said, God has rejected Saul from being king. He's going to choose a king from your boys. Call them in. And Jesse called in all the boys, except David, of course. He, he's a little boy. He's out taking care of the sheep. And Jesse had some big, strong, good-looking boys. And Samuel said, surely one of these is the next king. And God said, nope. Men look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. It's not one of these boys. And so Samuel says to Jesse, is is this all? Do do you not have any other son? And Jesse said, well, I got a boy. He's He's out with the sheep. Well, call him. And that boy came in, and that boy was the next king. He went to check on his older brothers who were in the army serving Saul faithfully when they were being reproached by a Philistine giant. Everyone cowering in fear. David went to Saul and he said, I'll go out there. I, I, I faced a lion. I have faced a bear. God has been with me. God delivered me from the lion and the bear. God will deliver me from this Philistine giant. You know the story. David went out, not with Saul's armor and his sword and his spear, and and he fought a mighty superhero battle. That's not what he did. He went out with his sling and five smooth stones. He only needed one. But he went out with the companionship of God. God was with him. And God blessed him. When God called Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldees, I'll tell you what he wanted him to do. He wanted him to leave his home and trust him. Because God was going to take him into another land and make of his family a great nation of people, which is exactly what he did. I'm saying to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, even when you don't see where you're going, the text says in Hebrews 11 that Abraham obeyed God, and he went out not knowing whithersoever he went. Can you imagine that? If someone came back here this morning after being away for the Thanksgiving break and came back this morning and said, well, we're moving. We said, well, where are you going? Don't know. Well, what are you going to do there? I don't know. How long will you be there? I don't know. Someone would call a doctor. Abraham did what was right. Even when he couldn't understand. What he could understand was, this is what God said. And this is right. And I'm going to do it. And I'm commending to you this morning that spirit. That when you set your heart on doing what is right, God will bless you. I'll warn you at the same time, you need to know this. That when you set your heart on doing what's right, Satan's going to persecute you. Because he absolutely doesn't want you doing what's right. And even though Satan will persecute you in your life, you do the right thing anyway. The text says, 
that when Daniel set his heart on doing what was right, even when he was expatriated into Babylon, even when he was made a eunuch, even when he was forced to serve a pagan king, the text says that many times he was challenged. He was put through severe trials and adversities. And now at the end of his life, he's perhaps in his 80s or 90s, he is still being challenged. Because to this point in his life, he has made it his aim to do what was right. And now he's going to suffer again. When Darius made him president over all the realm, it evoked the jealousy of many, many people. And from that moment forward, they set their hearts on destroying Daniel. You remember, when Abel offered the right sacrifice, he suffered for that. His brother killed him in jealousy. When Joseph did what was right in respect to Potiphar's wife, he suffered for that. He went to prison because she lied about him. Over and over again, Jesus reminds us that doing what is right is not a ticket for a problem-free life. To the contrary, Jesus said. He told his disciples, you you need to remember something. When the world hates you, they hated me first. When the world persecutes you, they persecuted me first. First. And Jesus in his prayer to the Father said, I'm not asking you to take them out of this world. I'm asking you to protect them from the evil one. Keep them safe. Peter reminds us in his epistles that sometimes in this life, because we are doing what is right, We're going to suffer for it. Paul said to Timothy, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And in 2 Corinthians 11, he gives them an entire catalog of persecutions that he suffered as a result of doing what is right. You need to know that when you choose to do what is right, God will bless you. Satan is going to persecute you. You need to know this too. Others are going to be watching you. In the situation that you are in, the rest of the world is watching. When Daniel, when Daniel was being challenged by his adversaries, the text says that they looked for something by which they could accuse him. They could find nothing. And so they decided if we're going to entrap him, it will have to be with something pertaining to his religion because he is fully committed to that. And they did exactly that. And they went to Darius and they asked him to write a law that said no one can petition any god other than the king for 30 days, knowing full well that Daniel prayed to his god three times a day. The king signed into law this order that said 
Anyone who petitions any God other than the king for 30 days is going to be cast into the den of lions. And then the text says, they went. And they watched. And the verse 11 says, these men assembled together. And guess where they found Daniel? They found him at the same window, in the same posture, doing the same thing that he had done every other day of his life. He was doing the right thing. I'll tell you something. You think when you pray nobody's watching? You better think again. You think when you make a good decision, a right decision in your office, when everyone else is choosing to do something else that is less than above board, you think nobody's watching, you better think again. Other people watch you. But I'll tell you more than anything else this morning, I'm, I'm speaking to mothers and fathers and I'm telling you, you have little eyes in your house who are watching every move you make. Every decision, every compromise, every mistake, everything that's happening, those little eyes are watching. Every word that is spoken, those little ears are hearing. Be careful, ladies and gentlemen. When you choose to do what is right, God will bless you. Satan is going to persecute you. But I'm telling you, when you're making your decisions about these things, other people are watching you. And they're going to be influenced by your decision. But finally, I'm telling you, God's going to be with you. Because the text says, the king, when he realized that he had been tricked, he tried every way he could to deliver Daniel, but he could not. And he had to cast Daniel into the lion's den because that was an irrevocable law at that point. And he said to Daniel, don't be afraid. Your God will deliver you. But I'll tell you what, the king didn't sleep that night. He stayed up all night long. And the next morning at the break of dawn, he was at that lion's den. He went to that prison. He found Daniel and he is crying out, Daniel, servant of the living God. Is thou God whom thou servest able to deliver you from the lions? <laughs> the king had told Daniel, he will deliver you. Now the king is asked, did he do it? Was he able to do it? And Daniel said, our God is able. I want to tell you something, folks. It's not always easy to do the right thing. And you do not always enjoy an immediate blessing when you do the right thing. Sometimes you pay a price when you do what is right. But you need to know that when you are doing what is right, God is going to be with you. Every step of the way. We, we sing that song, God be with you till we meet again. Be not dismayed whatever betide, God will take care of you. We have lots of hymns we sing based on this theme that God 
is with us. I'm telling you, you set your heart on doing what's right, God will be with you. But that's not just a nice hymn. That is a truth. That when we set our hearts on doing what is right, God's going to bless us. And when Satan is persecuting us, even as God is blessing us, we need to remember that others are watching us, not the least of whom are our own children and grandchildren. And we need to remember the words of the Lord when he said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. I'll tell you what what we're praying you're going to do today. We're praying that you're going to do the right thing. If you've never confessed your faith in the Lord as the Son of the living God, and with a penitent heart put Him on in baptism, you can do that today. If you're a child of God sitting here and you're not right with the Lord, I'll tell you what we're praying. We're praying that you will do the right thing. Showing yourself to be a person of integrity before God and man. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation today, won't you come while we stand and sing?